podcast is brought to you by the good people over at Gamefly. With over 9,000 titles for the PS4, PS3, Xbox One, Xbox 360, Nintendo Switch, Wii, and other consoles, there's no better time for gamers to make the most of their systems by using Gamefly to play all the new and classic games for as little as 32 cents a day. To start your 30-day free trial, head on over to cinemageekly.com slash Gamefly or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. Listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Vicky, welcome to AEW. Now, what is your strategy here? Why would I tell you about my strategy or anyone else here? What I will say, Dasha. Is it when Nyla Rose and myself are ready to go after the women's championship? It will be the perfect time. Now, since it is official that I am the manager of Nyla Rose, I have a special message for the women's locker room. From this moment on, ladies, I am begging you to stop lying to yourselves of how great you are. And also admit that you will never be smart enough to cheat to win. And last but not least, Nyla Rose is going to steal every opportunity you have ever dreamed of! <laughs> wow. Who's going to stop Nyla Rose now with Vicky Guerrero on her side? That's a hell of a combination, folks. Volatile. Vicky scares me. It'd be very dynamic. Viva la raza. I got that passion that's lasting long, los mujeres, fall in love with that Latin charm. One woman isn't enough, amigo, siempre cogiendo más mujeres porque soy latino. And I'm tough and tough, calling your bluff, cause I lie, I cheat, I steal. I lie, I cheat, I steal. I don't care if you don't like me, uh, everybody wants to fight me. Do you feel it, babe? Claro, I ain't the one you wanna meet. I nada más caliente. I'm too hot for you, yo. Latino it's a brand new episode of the Elita Cinema Geekly's AEW podcast. It's Anthony Lewis and Nick Montez, and we're back to talk more AEW on TNT this week. AEW's fight for the Fallen 2020. Uh, this is the third week in a row of uh, AEW Dynamite specials. Uh, we had two weeks of Fighter Fest, and now we've got one week of Fight for the Fallen. Apparently, next week we just go back to regular old Dynamite. Um, Did you notice that Jr. has been calling it Fighter Fest Two for the entirety of the whole show? Uh, yes. Uh, also, uh, also Tony Schiavone is not in the house. Apparently, he was still waiting back for his coronavirus test results and had not received them in time. And as a result, he was not there. So Taz was in the booth. 
uh, for a portion of the show, and then he would be replaced later on by uh, a very tropical Chris Jericho. Uh, So the opener uh, on Fight for the Fallen is Cody defending the TNT Championship against Sonny Kiss. And uh, the story of this match, Nick, was that Cody should be a heavy favorite, uh, but is really overconfident. And as a result, Sonny Kiss is given a lot of this match. He gets a lot of offense in, and he is really showing up Cody uh, quite frequently. At one point, Cody tries to hit crossroads, but Sonny reverses it and hits Cody with his own move uh, and gets a near fall out of it. He also hits him with a 450 splash and gets another close two. Eventually, Cody manages to gain control of this match, but he is suffering from mental lapses. Like, he pins Sunny Kiss too close to the ropes, so the pin can't start right away. Uh, and then doesn't think to move Sunny away from the rope, so he gets his foot on the rope to break up the pin. Anyway, and this happens with frequency for Cody, and he is slowly losing his temper. Uh, he hits Sunny Kiss with Din's Fire, the Vertebreaker, and it looked like Sunny landed right on the top of his head, Nick. Uh, that was gross and it only gets a two and then Cody is just not subtle heel at all he's kind of being a prick he pulls off the uh, the turnbuckle pad and everything and even gets a taste of his own medicine he eats the the turnbuckle uh, the, the, the naked turnbuckle if you will he eats that um, Sonny starts making a comeback but misses a kick Cody eventually hits him with crossroads and gets the win, and afterwards is gracious in victory. Uh, but it felt like he was losing himself there a little bit. Not so subtle hints towards a heel Cody in this match, and not the only subtle hints towards a heel character on this show, period. Uh, Nick, what did you think of the opener? I'm kind of conflicted. Um, story was excellent, um, especially with Cody having so much frustration and not being prepared for Sunny Kiss at all. That was all very well done and very well portrayed. I feel like earlier on the match, they were kind of awkward in the ring. It seemed like there were sometimes spots where it looked like they were barely touching mm-hmm. or they were like, I, I, I want to say it was near the end of the match. There was like an awkward moment where it looked like Sonny was just kind of standing around waiting for what they were supposed to do. They couldn't think of what they were trying to do. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just looking at it a little bit too critically, but I kept no, noticing I saw those it. things. Yeah, I saw that too. So I, I love the story I, I, because I was into it, but I also wasn't. I kept picking it apart while I was watching it. Yeah. Um, I, I also noticed during this match, and I think this happened throughout the broadcast, um, I think they were having some production problems because it sounded like they kept going to replays and you could hear it, but they didn't put it up on the screen. So <laughs> weird thing to have. Oh, I was but, seeing the replay. So I'm wondering if that was on your end, watching it on the app. Maybe, which by the way, I got to say this right now. TNT, it's your app. Oh. There's a, there is problems with that thing because I had to like reset it several times it to work right and i'll tell you something every mm-hmm. time i reset it the commercials work but the video wouldn't work so me come on very savvy that the commercials would work but nothing else exactly um, what did you give it the opener i gave this one two and a half stars uh i went with two and three quarters i liked it a teensy bit more than you but i agree uh at times it looked really good uh, I really liked the story they were telling, and at times uh, they looked a little lost in there. So 
I, I think Sunny Kiss has potential, but still has a ways to go. Uh, I do like that Sunny Kiss came out with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars uh, dancers and outdanced them. He was a better oh. dancer than the professional dancers. Now, I know that Sonny Kiss was a choreographer, so maybe that helps uh, his case, but uh, he was a better dancer than the actual dancers. So uh, I thought that was funny. Uh, by the way, uh, if I miss anything, Nick, please do not hesitate to be like, oh, this was in here. Uh, today was a really busy day for me, so uh, it's possible I may have missed them, some things in my notes. There was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of pausing and, and starting again. Uh, today. So if I missed anything, uh, feel free to let me know. The next thing I have on my list is Lucha Brothers and FTR. So is there anything in between? Nothing in between. You're you're on track. Okay. So up next, Lucha Brothers and FTR uh, in a tag match. So uh, the styles were pretty mismatched, especially early on. Uh, there is a moment where Dax Harwood is uh, bleeding from the chest as a result of chops from Pentagon. Holy shit. Never get chopped by this man. Uh, things kind of came together a bit uh, better style wise or cohesive wise in the latter half of the match. After a double down, there was a double brawl. Uh, Cash Wheeler hits a suicida, a tope suicida to the outside, which I think was meant to just be the suicide dive. But because of the way momentum went and the way Phoenix did everything, it just looked like a suicide dive into a tornado DDT on the floor. And Jim Ross called it as such. Uh, so uh, back into the ring, uh, Harwood has Phoenix, and Phoenix uh, connects with one of those cool uh, tiger feints into a spin, like a spinning hook kick. He tries to do it a second time, but Harwood ducks it, pulls Phoenix's mask off of his head, and as Phoenix goes to cover up his face, Harwood puts him in a small package cradle and gets the pin. Uh before we talk about the post-match, what did you think of FTR and Lucha Brothers? I liked it. Um, I There were a couple moments in it that were weird. Um, Them screwing like up their own wheelbarrow spot was weird. That's what I was about to say. Exactly. I was like, whoa, what, what was that? Maybe people were just having an off night. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, well, they were saying... Um, I mean, they even mentioned it on commentary later in the evening, but everybody was saying that particular night in Jacksonville was hot and muggy. So, I mean, you could see like people were like a couple minutes into their matches and they were sweating bullets. So yeah, the weather sounded like it was not cooperating. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, and that's definitely going to throw you off your game. I know it would do the same for me. I mean, Pentagon's uh, in a mask and a bodysuit. I don't know how, but yeah, that he's he's crazy, man. I don't know how you can pull that off. But yeah. um, I mean, I still like the action, mm -hmm. and I definitely uh, would like to see what these guys can do when they're in a better ventilated arena. Yes, um, <laughs> more climate um, control. Exactly. I ended up giving it three stars. I still thought it was solid, but yeah, there was some awkwardness in there. Yeah, uh, this was a bit of a disappointment considering how well I thought they looked uh, in last week's eight-man tag, and they mm -hmm. just didn't uh, come together as cohesively as I thought. And uh, there was definitely some really good moments in here, but uh, it didn't come together as well as I thought. I went two and three quarters and uh, we did not do the grapple scores again, did we? I got to remember to do that. Uh, yes. Okay, so uh, for the Cody and Sunny Kiss match, grapple gave it 3.13. 3. 
Okay. And uh, for FTR and the Lucha Brothers, Grapple went 3.43. Oh, I really Ooh. disagree. Almost three and a half stars. Yeah, I, I disagree with that, but okay. It was good, but it wasn't that good. Uh, post-match, the Young Bucks come out and super kick the Butcher and the Blade, who are still standing by FTR's truck, and uh, they grab the keys. Kenny comes out with beers. The Young Bucks give them the keys back. Kenny offers them a beer. Uh, but FTR dumped the beer on Kenny's head, who is now very upset, and Kenny has to be held back. So, <laughs> problems. I like that they're just Miller lights, too, and they just neatly cross out the mountain Miller. with this, like, Sharpie. Yes. <laughs> you, don't get, you don't get that product placement, Miller. Uh, <laughs> is, Jericho, is Jericho's promo the thing that is next? Yes, it is. Okay, so Chris Jericho comes out. Starts talking about TV ratings, <laughs> unveils his new character or new gimmick on top of being Le Champion, even though he's not a champion. Uh, he now talks about how, while the overall numbers are important, the most important thing is the 18 to 49 demographic, the demo. And he has never lost in the demo. He is the demo god. Hell yeah. Uh, which, by the way, for record, uh, Chris Jericho's segment this week doubled in the demo what NXT did. So he is, in fact, the demo god. Um, I just love how close it is to demigod. And apparently there is a demo god shirt that you can buy from AEW. Uh, says that he made it's an ordinary demo god. <laughs> <laughs> says that he made Orange Cassidy a star for one night, toasts him with orange juice, and then pours some out because his career is dead. Orange Cassidy comes out though from the crowd or where the crowd would be if there were more people there. Uh, gives his half-ass thumbs up, but then gives an equally exciting half-ass thumbs down, and then. Like in a WWE skit with DX and the McMahons, instead of shit falling from the ceiling, I'd, I'd have to wager, I don't know, maybe five, ten gallons of orange juice fall from the ceiling onto Jericho, Jake Hager, and Santana and Ortiz, to which Ortiz sells by taking a bump and then can never stand up again. Uh, he tries, but cannot. You forget he can't swim. So, he cannot you swim. Know, it's terrible for it. <laughs> he cannot swim. And I think what makes it really funny is uh, nobody else fell down. None of them tripped at all, except for Ortiz, who was struggling to get to his feet. And Jericho is screaming. Now, not only did orange juice fall, but chunks of oranges. And in fact, like a whole half an orange or something was stuck in Jericho's hair while he was screaming at Orange Cassidy, which made it all the more funny. Uh, and Jericho... So Jericho, of course, was... Jesus an idiot, too. Yes. Uh, and Jericho, of course, was wearing a white, like, sports jacket or something to to add in for effect. He said this cost $7,000. He is mad at Orange Cassidy. Um, pretty, pretty good segment. Pretty funny, actually. Oh, really funny. And I just love the fact that he flipped, too. He went from saying, you're not going to get a rematch to in the next segment being like, there's going to be a rematch. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't over yet. And what about the uh, Orange Cassidy towel that he had to clean himself up with? 
Oh, yes. Afterwards, he's like, I need a towel. And he uh, cleans it off. And then when he unfolds it, it's an orange Cassidy beach towel. And he is further enraged. It needs to be held back. <sighs> Good stuff. Yes. Uh, was there anything between that and the six man? Uh, just the interview with uh, uh, Jurassic Express. Okay, what happened was- there? Basically, they were just uh, highlighting uh, um, Marco Stun, who said that Jericho looked like an idiot out there, and that um, what was it? Uh, oh yeah, Luchasaurus says that he's been waiting sixty-five million years to fight the elite. So, <laughs> yes, uh, which which works into the next match because I'm pretty sure um, Jericho makes a crack about. Oh God, does he ever? Years old. He's lying. Uh, I want to see his birth certificate. Yes. Up, up next, Jurassic Express versus the Elite. Um, Nick Jackson and Jungle Boy—they were pretty cool. Watch, I'd like to see them do a singles match. Um, so uh, then Kenny came in. He was a dick to Marco Stunt, essentially wearing his New Japan Eight Man Tag House Show T-shirts, which he <laughs> frequently did. That was a thing that regularly happened. They noted on New Japan shows when they would be like in these uh, Road Two. Uh, like these road two shows and they'd be all in eight mans and they would note that they're wearing t-shirts because this is an off night and they want to sell their merch so they're advertising their merch and Jericho even makes a point on commentary he's like I know Kenny he's like he's wearing a t-shirt in there that means he does not respect Marco Stunt he's taking him lightly and he is and Marco Stunt takes him by surprise and takes him off his feet it is at this point that Chris Jericho is doubting whether or not Luchasaurus is 65 million years old and demands to see his birth certificate. And he's like, Excalibur, you probably know where it is, you geek. And Excalibur uh, tells him that there would be no birth certificate as Papyrus did not exist 65 million years ago. And Jericho concedes this point. Uh, (laughs) That is a good point. Uh, After the commercial break, the match really manages to pick up. Uh, So... Uh, Jurassic Express do this really cool, like catapult Hurricane Rana thing, where they like herk uh, Marco Stunt from the outside of the ring, and they grab him by his arms and launch him up and over the ropes into Kenny into a Hurricane Rana. They do something similar with an insane Canadian Destroyer, where Jungle Boy launches Marco onto Luchasaurus's back, who then gives Matt Jackson a Canadian Destroyer off of the middle rope. That gets a uh, that pin gets broken up. Kenny gets in there with Marco, tries to hit him with the one winged angel, but Marco counters it. Kenny's really mad now, murders him with a V trigger, and finally gives him the one winged one winged angel for the win. And post match, Omega continues to attack Marco Stunt, clearly upset after what FTR did to him, and he's trying to blow off steam, but he came off very heelish. And during the match. It should be noted that Hangman Page was shown backstage watching and drinking, uh, where his lower third described him as an unlicensed bartender. And uh, then at one point, FTR comes in and they sit down with Hangman Page. Apparently they are drinking buddies. So what did you think of the six man and what they're teasing here with the uh, tag team champions and FTR, uh, what they're teasing there? Because clearly they look like they're trying to force some sort of divide between these two. Which is cool because I think we all kind of figured that it would be Hangman being the heel, mm-hmm. not so much Kenny. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, which would be a sweet reversal. Um, I'd be good with that either way. Yep. But the match itself was incredible. Um, just excellent six-man tag team action. Um, I agree with you. I would love to see a singles uh, Nick Jackson and uh, Jungle Boy match. Um, you know, I never thought I'd be the kind of guy to say I'd like to see the Bucks break up because I do think they are one of the best tag teams mm-hmm. of all time. But Nick Jackson, if he ever decided he wanted to go solo, he could have quite an amazing singles career. Holy man. crap, just yeah. beyond talented. And same thing with Jungle Boy. He is going to be a major star someday. Agreed. Um, and, and even Luchasaurus in this match, just showing off what he can do as a big man that can really move. Um I loved it. I gave it three and three quarter stars and, you know, mix that in with the Jericho commentary. It was just, I think it was probably my favorite thing I saw this week. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. This was my match of the show as well. And I didn't, I didn't uh, go quite as high as you. I went three and a half, but uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Everybody worked well together. I like the subtlety they're doing with Kenny. They're driving the wedge between he and hangman like i'm pretty sure the team that's going to beat them for the titles is ftr and that'll set up for the ftr young bucks match down the road for the titles which could be the eventual young bucks finally winning the tag title story uh to tell and we could do the kenny hangman split with kenny is the heel which would be very interesting um and kenny hasn't been healing in quite a while so uh grapple gave this a 3.8 they really liked it. Hey, we and Rappel are on the same page this week right here. Uh, did we get anything after that uh, After that match, between that and the next match? Um, I, don't, I don't have it noted here. No, I don't think okay. so. So we got the Nightmare Sisters, which is Brandy Rhodes and Allie, who have, I guess they formed this tag team uh, because Brandy Rhodes is like, well, we can't get rid of Allie. We think she's a bad influence on QT Marshall, but she's not going anywhere. So let's try to make the best of a bad situation. And they're trying to team together. And so far they've won all three of the matches that they've had on AEW dark. This is their first show on TNT or their first match on TNT. And they took on the team of Kenzie page and former NXT wrestler, MJ Jenkins, who never really made it to TV, but she was in the Mae young classic and, uh, is a team 3d Academy trainee. Uh, this was a squash match, Nick. Uh, it was basically the Nightmare Sisters working fairly well together. They hit their stuff. Uh, they won the match. Uh, Allie won by hitting the final cut on MJ Jenkins, uh, and, uh, got the victory. What would you give this one? Cause there's not much to say. There really isn't. It was short, but nothing offensive. So I went one and a half stars. Yeah, that's what I gave it as well. One and a half and, uh, grapple give it 1.16 less impressed than we were. Um, was there anything after that that wasn't the Nyla Rose thing? Okay, that was the only thing, yeah. Okay, so Nyla Rose comes out. She is going to introduce us all to her manager, and her manager is Vicky Guerrero. And uh, she comes out to, like, a dubstep version of, like, a trap remix of her saying, excuse me, which is hilarious. And... Uh, she actually kind of pretty great promo said she's not going to tell anybody what their strategy is. And she has a message for the women's locker room in AEW that, uh, they should stop lying to themselves about how good they are, that they'll never be good enough to cheat, to win. 
and that Nyla Rose is going to steal all of their hopes and dreams and then cackles into <laughs> the camera. But she got, of course, Eddie's lie, cheat, and steal uh, thing in there, which is also very sweet, but clever as well. And uh, I think this is a good pairing. I mean, Nyla is can cut good promos. She definitely has had moments where she's cut some good stuff. But Vicky Guerrero is a really good manager and highly annoying. Um, maybe too annoying, but sometimes she strikes the right balance. I thought she struck the right balance here. So uh, I like this call. It is, though, yet another WWE alum manager in AEW, which I think we should probably cap it there. Um, mm. I think we've got a few too many of those going on. But um, I like this choice. I don't know. What about you, Nick? I like it, too. And I think it works because we don't see a lot of this in the women's division, mm-hmm. with the exception of Kip Sabian being with Penelope Ford. Yeah. So... I think it's a great thing. I do agree that the WWE influence is there, um, but this is actually reminding me of a segment that we did miss that I'm uh, just now remembering. I believe Cheetah has an interview earlier. They mentioned that like most of the top contenders are out with injuries right now. Oh yeah. And basically just pointing out to the, that the women's division is kind of like missing talent at the moment, which yeah. Very thin at the moment, but they do announce some new women that are going to be competing next week on Dynamite. So yes, uh, Diamante cool. and Ivalice. Yes, I. You know, when the show started, I saw her in the crowd, and I was like, "Is that Ivalice?" I'm and pretty psyched for Ivalice. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, I like. Her. Um, sure, uh, but yeah, I, I like Vicky Guerrero being a vocal part of the show. She's uh, talented with what she can do, and I think she can add a new layer of depth to uh, Nyla Rose's character. Uh, was the Mox promo after this? Or was Yes, it- I believe so. Okay, I didn't catch the Mox promo. I, I caught, I saw it, and then I'm like, oh, I don't have time to watch it. I caught, like, a piece of it. Uh, I caught the part where uh, he talks about hurting Cage's arm, but I didn't see all of it. So, is there anything else of importance in the in that promo that I missed? That's the gist of it. He just plays up the bicep injury and saying that he's going to tear it from the bone, in that he's you know basically just saying that yeah. you think I'm the weak one, but I'm going to take care of your weakness in this match. Yeah, like Taz is maybe Taz is right. I can't hit I can't hit the paradigm shift on this guy, or if I do, it won't have as much effect. But I can rip his uh, the tendon off of his bone because he just got done recovering from a he just had a five month recovery from surgery on that arm. So um, smart. Uh, they announced matches for next week, and then we get our main event: John Moxley defending the AEW Championship against the FTW Champion Brian Cage, and uh, Mox of course targets the arm as he mentioned in the promo. Uh, at one point on the outside, Cage gives Mox a German suplex into a guard railing that's been propped up against the ring, and oh, that didn't look like fun at all. Uh, inside of the ring, Cage tries to hit this like springboard moonsault off of the top rope, but misses. Moxley does hit him with the paradigm shift, but can't keep him down. So Moxley continues to work on the arm. Eventually, there's a comeback, and Cage tries to hit the drill claw, but Moxley escapes out the back and puts him in another arm bar, continuing to continuing to work on that arm. Uh, Cage keeps trying to escape from the arm bar, like Taz is giving him all of this advice, like, you know, turn into it, roll away, things like that, but Moxley keeps trapping him in various arm bar 
uh, positions and Taz gets angry and frustrated and finally tosses in the towel to stop the match and to save Brian Cage's arm, uh, his tendon from being ripped off the bone. So John Moxley told us exactly what he was going to do. And then he did it and retained the championship. Uh, before we talk about what happened at the very end, what did you think of the main event? I liked it. And I think that this was one of Mox's better title defenses just for the brutality in the match with using the, uh, the um, barricade and, and Mox going through that chair was oh, brutal. Yep. Um, they told a great story, and I love that Mox really followed up on uh, working on the arm. Um, and I think this was a good way to save uh, Cage from, you know, losing a match in AEW. Mm-hmm. Um, it It is a little weird to see Taz care so much when he's supposed to be like, he's a machine and he's going to tear you apart or blah, blah, blah. But yeah. on this, you know, occasion, Mox just outsmarted him and he didn't want his guy to be out because then what does he have? He, his meal ticket's gone, as yeah. JR was saying. You know? So it makes sense. It just was a little weird. It, it wasn't what I was expecting, but that doesn't make it a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It was a uh, very smart booking, I think. Yeah. Um, I gave this one uh, three stars. I thought it was a solid world title match. Yep, I agree completely wholeheartedly. I gave it three stars as well. Uh, this was a, this was a good match, but it was not what I was expecting. Uh, like, yeah. I've seen Cage have some, like, really fun matches, and this wasn't quite like that for me this was a little more methodical and it was working over the body part and he wasn't doing a ton in this match like brian cage to me like the fun in his matches are watching this giant jacked up dude do things guys that are giant and jacked up shouldn't be doing he did one of them in this match he did that uh that essentially that box jump springboard off of the top rope uh into the moonsault which was very impressive um, but yeah, that's, that's about it. He, I mean, he did do the, uh, the machine, the Brian cage is a machine suplex, uh, the superplex thing. He does that in every match, but I mean, I've seen him do so many like cool and innovative things in matches. Um, none of that really happened here. This was a little more basic, but I like the story they told. And, uh, this was good. Although I did hear there somebody said that they would have liked it better if they introduced the FTW title next week. Um, where Taz can talk about even though Mo- even though Brian Cage didn't walk out as the AEW champion, he was going to have his arm ripped off or whatever. Like he's the toughest son of a bitch in wrestling. He wasn't going to give up on his own. I had to save him from himself because he was never going to give up. Uh, like, and that's the reason he gets the championship for the toughest son of a bitch in wrestling. But um, that would have been a good explanation. But they didn't do it, I'm, and I'm okay with it. Um, th- there's always ex- there's always explanations and there's always saving graces and uh, Taz throwing in the towel here means he didn't give up and means he didn't get pinned uh, and in this case is an excellent out uh, to claim that he was not really beaten. Uh, Grapple gave this one they liked it more than we did three point four six. Oh, wow! So they enjoyed it way more than we did, um, almost by a whole half star. So. Uh, after the match, the lights go out, and when they come back on, Darby Allen has returned to AEW. He flies off the top rope with his skateboard and slams it into Cage's neck and sends Cage and Taz fleeing to the back. And as the show goes off the air, Chris Jericho, who, by the way, 
has not changed, showered, or anything since the orange juice incident, has continued to be covered in it the whole time, and has mentioned it several times. At the end of the show, the last few words were Chris Jericho shouting, I'm covered in orange juice! And Jim Ross saying, you stink! And that was the last thing as the show went off of the air. Uh, That was a weird way to end the show. Uh, But that is how Fight for the Fallen ended. Uh, But yeah, a good show. Uh, This was not as good as last week's Fighter Fest, I thought. I thought last week's Fighter Fest episode was really good. Um, But yeah, uh, and they've got some good matches signed for next week. Did they say Cody was defending the TNT title? I know that I don't I, think they announced it. No. Uh, I know that they teased the thing on on Twitter about him facing Warhorse. I think that's his <laughs> name. Um, so I saw that. Uh, I know people have been clamoring for that, so maybe they're going to do that. Um, there's a there's a rumor, and it's got no truth to it at all. But uh, a couple of us in the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast group believe that hopefully Matt Cardona will be open challenging uh, Cody for the TNT title at some point. I don't know how they couldn't do that. Right. Cause he and Cody, of course are really good friends and right. it's, I don't think he's got a compete clause going or no compete going right now. So it's, it's officially um, over as of today's date, which um, yeah. same thing with everyone else that got let go. Yeah. Um, they by the way, if you haven't checked it out yet, um, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson did a big shoot interview last night at midnight talking about everything. Oh yeah. I read, uh, I read many recaps of, of what they discussed. Yes. Uh, how they regret not going to AEW when they were given the offer and decided mm-hmm. to take the WWE money instead and were made promises and things that were not kept. And they, they regret not going to AEW. Now they're not going to AEW at all. I think they signed with impact. So Time with Impact and are looking to go back to New Japan, but what I found really interesting was how big a factor they were going to be in the first Dynamite turning on the Young Bucks. Yes. Yep. That would have been crazy. That's a whole different show then. Yeah, it would have been completely different. Could you imagine if they were part of the Inner Circle? I think they would have made big sense considering Jericho did all those podcasts with them. Yeah. Um, oh, that would have made a lot of sense. Anymore. Yeah. That would have made a lot of sense. Um. Okay, so that's the podcast for this week. Head on over to CinemaGeekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. And, of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Just search for The Elitists. Hit subscribe, and that way you can come back next time and hear us talk about more AEW Dynamite on TNT featuring Jurassic Express versus The Inner Circle. I lie, I cheat, I steal. I lie, I cheat.